0: The Midnight Myth Podcast presents The Wheel of Ka, an exploration into the writings of Stephen King. What started as two friends rereading The Dark Tower has turned into an exploration of Stephen King's writing writ large. This episode, we talk eleven, twenty-two, sixty-three. Then I turned to
1: Sadie. She tried to get off the couch and then fell back. She tried to hold her arms out to me, but she couldn't do that either. They dropped into the sodden mess of her dress. Her eyes started to roll up, and I was sure she was going to faint, but she held on. You came, she whispered. Oh, Jake, you came for me. You both did. Betray Lane, Deke shouted into the phone. No, I don't know the number. I can't remember it, but you'll see an old man with chop suey on his shoes standing outside and waving his arms. Hurry, she's lost a lot of blood. Sit still, I said. Don't try to, her eyes widened. She was looking over my shoulder. "'Look out! Jake, look out!' I turned, fumbling in my pocket for the gun. Deke also turned, holding the telephone receiver in both of the arthritis-knotted hands like a club. But although Clayton had picked up the knife he'd used to disfigure Sadie, his days of attacking anyone were over. Well, anyone but himself, that is. It was another scene I'd played before, this one on Greenville Avenue, long, not long after I'd come to Texas.' There was no muddy waters blasting from the desert rose, but here was another badly hurt woman and another man bleeding from another broken nose, his shirt untucked and flapping almost to his knees. He was holding a knife instead of a gun, but otherwise, it was just the same. No, Clayton, I shouted. Put it down! His eyes, visible through clumps of orange hair, were bulging as he stared at the dazed, half-fainting woman on the couch. Is this what you want, Sadie? If this is what you want, I'll give you what you want. Grinning desperately, he raised the knife to his throat and cut.
0: Fellow travelers on the path of the beam. Wheel it car is back. I got to adjust my microphone here a second. We're very <laughs> Housekeeping. professional. Yeah, yeah. Very, very professional. Um, amazing read on the intro oh, there, Steve. I'm much appreciated. Really good. So I'll give you guys a little bit of how the sausage is made. Typically, I find the passage that I want us to read at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. for It just kind of happened to be my role um and I always or, forget. Yeah, organically, <laughs> there was never a conscious decision. So Steve could find it. And then I show it to Steve, and he sits down and he just reads it with no practice. Yeah, we do one, one cold take. read. One take. Every once in a while, you might have to stop. Yeah, like if I flub a word. And or we something. have to redo a word. But for the most part, he just reads it cold and <laughs> does these awesome intros. And uh, if you enjoy them, please drop us a note on Twitter. I want to get Steve working as a voice actor somewhere <laughs> because that's how good he is at it. That'd be great. I'll take it if anyone's uh, hiring. Awesome, man. We're here. We have just concluded. Uh, what part was that? Four. Part four. So where you heard in the intro, that's where we stopped. We figured before we get into like the last third of the book, we wanted to pause. We wanted to do an episode. Talk about what's going on, how we got there. Talk about this phenomenal book mm. that I just, I love more every chance I get to read it. Yeah, We are a week behind from when we wanted to do this. Yes. We were supposed was, to do this last week. I was dying. Yeah, no,
1: I, had, I got the flu and it rocked me. Let me tell you, and you can still hear it. I mean, I'm definitely still stuffed up. I feel fine. It's just uh, this kind of lingering stuffiness cough. Uh, and when you have a one-year-old, you're just perpetually sick, too. It doesn't really matter.
0: you know. You, whatever they get, yeah, you get. Yeah, you're just sick and tired, quite, quite literally. <laughs> and they get everything, and they bounce back in a day, and it takes two days. you a month. She was sick for two days. Rebecca was sick for a week.
1: I was sick for a week. She was two days. And, I'm, I mean, you know, her body is way younger and, and very new. And so. very efficient. Yeah, it's moving quick. It doesn't have quick.
0: years of bourbon and junk food <laughs> like ours too. <do. laughs> you know, like, it's amazing how efficient the human body is before we get control of it and oh, just it, really, it up. Honestly, it really is. It's, it's, it, you're not wrong. It's, it's
1: interesting to see. you know. And I think a lot of it is just like, yeah, my own substance abuse has just made me
0: feel. <laughs> you just can't heal anymore. Not like a newborn or one-year-old. no. no. Awesome. So we're here. We're doing it. We're talking 11 Hopefully you are well-versed in the book, reading along with us, or maybe you've read it before, because we're obviously going to spoil the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoying it. I guess I already touched on this, but, you know, how are you feeling, Steve? Good. Better. Better. Um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful day here
1: in Philly. Honestly, it's gorgeous. I think this is the first time we've ever recorded during the day. Is it, or is it like the second time? I it, think this is the first. Yeah, well, when we used to, at the old studio, we would do it a lot. But yeah, I think here, it's the first time. doing. So it's good. It's good. It's a Sunday afternoon. Um, I'm I'm ready to get back to reading the book. I'm very excited to do that. And I'm excited to talk about part four. It was long. There was a lot happening.
0: It's. I think it was the longest part yeah. of, of the whole book so far. So far. Yeah. And considering looking at where we're at, we've done about two-thirds of it. So judging by traditional storytelling standards, we should be entering the final phase of the story. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. Um, So let me, I guess I'll just kind of recap where we left off, where we're at. Mm -hmm. So George Jake is still in the past. He formed a very close, very intimate relationship with Sadie, a fellow teacher. He's made the decision that after he thwarts the uh, assassination of JFK, that he's going to stay with Sadie in the past and we learned that Sadie had a tumultuous and you know very toxic relationship with Clayton and that she did not want to repeat those mistakes and knew that George was hiding something and she breaks up with him meanwhile George Jake what he does is he goes and he starts hiding Hunting the Oswalds. He starts learning about them. He starts living next to them. He starts spying on them. He ends up getting spy equipment. And one of the biggest um, decisions he needs to make is was this a conspiracy or did Oswald act on his own? Because he doesn't want to stop Oswald only to have someone else do the job. And it's about this guy, D. Monroenshint. I'm saying his name wrong because I'm trying to remember it. Oh, Morin's Child. Yeah, Morin's Child, Monroenshint, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's close. And so there's an assassination attempt on a very religious right-wing ex-general named Edwin Walker that uh, George Jake decides that he needs to see. Was Oswald working alone or was uh, the German immigrant... German communist immigrant, um, you know, pushing him along as part of this grander conspiracy. Meanwhile, he and Sadie decide to reconcile. She understands that he is doing something that he can't tell her and that when it's done, he will be open and honest and tells her his real name is Jake. Mm-hmm. Also at the same time, Jake is starting to sense that, that Sadie's ex might show up. His intuition proves correct on the night that Jake is supposed to trail Oswald and see him a try to assassinate General Walker. Clayton, as the past is going to do, as Ka will do, ends up capturing Sadie, cutting her face, and then Jake decides to abandon the Walker stakeout and go save his love, which he admits that he thought about. Is it, should I save Sadie or should I do my mission? Ultimately, he decides to save Sadie, and then Clayton kills himself at the very end of that. And that's where we stopped. Yeah. I, so I'm probably missing out a lot of details that we will flesh out as we discuss this. I just want to know, Steve, how do you think this story is going? What do you think will happen next? And give me your overall impressions. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, you know, obviously, I
1: am invested in his mission. In his mission, I should say. You know, I I I'm interested to see what happens with JFK. But I will admit I'm I'm much more invested in his relationships and Jody and his relationship with Sadie. I feel that that is what has it's what's keeping me held on to Jake George. You know, not that he's not a bad guy, not that he's not compelling, because he is. I just feel like the he is establishing some true, true loving relationships in his life in this past that are very compelling to me. A little bit more compelling than, uh, you know, is the JFK assassination, uh, you know, a conspiracy theory or not? I, uh, who knows? Now, I hope he stops it. I hope it, that would be great. It would be neat to see what happens. However, the thing that I'm most anxious about are what are the realities that he's creating? What splinter realities are, are, is he creating by changing the past like this? You know, what would have happened to Sadie? Would she have been killed by Clayton, her ex? Would she have, I mean, who knows? You know, and every single choice that he makes that changes any fabric of now, 1963, is that good or bad? That's the thing I keep, like what, when's it gonna come back and bite him in the ass? And when's that shoe gonna drop? Is it? And that's what keeps me, I think, continuing to read, not just because it's a great novel, but this anxiety of
0: like, what's gonna happen to him? And what's gonna happen to reality? I have no idea. I totally agree with everything that you just said. My main reflection at this point in my journey reading Stephen King and my journey reading this book is that there's a, a part of Stephen King that I don't think gets talked about enough. At least if it's that conversation's happening, I'm not aware of it. And we all know that King is great at horror. We all know that King is great at suspense. We all know that he writes these interesting and compelling, complicated characters, and that he's really good at moral ambiguity. And all of this is true. You could go around and just ask people, Who's Pennywise the Clown? Mm -hmm. And whether they read it or not, they probably are gonna know oh, that's that killer clown who eats kids. Yeah. Because he writes these amazing monsters. People probably, everyone knows Jack Torrance Mm -hmm. and knows that The Shining is a story about a man trying to kill his family, et cetera. But what I don't think gets talked about enough is how great King is at writing really good people. People that are still messy. They're not 100% good. They still make mistakes. They're not angels, but just really, really good people. And Sadie and Deke and uh, (coughs) the principal, I forget her name, even though she doesn't trust George Jake, she's still an awesome human being. Oh, yeah. And you have these cadre of characters who are such good people that they're changing Jake George's life Mm -hmm. and making him choose to live in the past. And I think that is something that when you look at King's work writ large, the ones that we have read, there's always gonna be like a John Cullum from the last Dark Tower book. Mm -hmm. I think he's a little in Song of Susanna as well. There's always gonna be this character that's just good Mm -hmm. to their core. And the way that he's able to flesh out good people and make them interesting Sadie is a fantastic example of someone who is genuinely a good human being, who does not have a vindictive or mean or selfish bone in her body. And she is someone that um, is now part of this tale. And oftentimes the good characters can suffer in King. Sadie suffers, so does Susan Delgado, another just really good person who suffers. Um, so sometimes they will suffer at the hands of monsters. Um, but I just think it's not talked about enough because maybe it's just not sexy, but King is awesome at writing these really phenomenal people, people that if they were real, you would allow them to watch your children, you know, oh, yeah. without any hesitation. Absolutely, People that you're like, I would want to have a friend like Sadie, mm-hmm. you know, who's nice and kind and smart and generous you know, and so I, I think that is something that really stuck out to me in this, in between where we stopped the first time and the second time, that King is great at writing good people. Happens to coincide. My wife decided she wanted to get back on the path of the beam and she stopped after um, Wizard and Glass. Mm-hmm. So she's reading Wolves of the Callow right now. Mm. I decided, well, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it too. And I'm rereading Wolves of the Calla, which is full of just good people, the Jaffords yep. who call for the feather, who want to stop and fight the wolves, the uh, Eisenharts who have a lot to, to risk and don't really want to fight the wolves, but decide they're going to throw the plate. All the ladies of Orisa oh, yeah. yeah. are just really good people. And I'm like, the King just understands how to write up when he wants to write someone who's good. He really knocks it out of the park yeah, every time. Absolutely, and I think that
1: I think there's something to be said in this book, uh, despite everything else surrounding it. Despite the really big overarching topics, the the large themes, I think this book is about good people and what good people will do for each other in times of great strife. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, you go back and you look at the stand, right? And it's true. King has a knack for, I mean, I'm glad that all of the characters are messy. Every single human being is messy. We're all fucked up, right? We're all just trying to do our best every single day, whatever that is. We really are, you know? And I've learned that as a parent. And I've tried to stop judging people on a daily basis based on that. You don't know where people are coming from. But deep down inside, there are, I mean, there are, folks i can think about in my life who are just good or they were just good people they were flawed they did fucked up things everybody fucks up you know we're not i mean if you didn't you wouldn't live in reality you just wouldn't but people who choose to be overwhelmingly good to choose you know hey there's this fringe line that i could cross and i'm I'm not going to do it I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to be decent. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be kind, which is a hard thing to do. You know, you and I have been talking about this recently in our own modern world that it's, we live in cynical times. People are hurting and struggling monetarily. Nobody trusts the government. Nobody trusts each other. Nobody trusts business. I mean, you know, you can hardly trust your, your closest friends is how people feel. You know, you walk up and down, and I just was in the city today with, with my daughter, you know, and just feeling great. It's a beautiful day, a smile on my face, and you would think I was imposing upon people. And so when you read in this book, you know, folks who are choosing to be that good with one another, choosing to give each other that energy, that's a big thing. It's a
0: big thing to choose. It takes a lot of energy. I totally agree. You know? And I think that's to your original point that yes, this story is about trying to change the past, mm-hmm. but it's really about the good people in Jody. Yeah. That's really what I am to completely invested in. And I was really happy that the main character, Jake George made the choice to go back and save Sadie. Yes. Mission be damned. Right. He just made his mission so much harder. Well, and Walker he, wasn't his focus. And, but if, if that were Roland, Oh, especially Mm. early Roland in the first like four books. No, forget it. He's like, well, she's a pretty woman and I like her, but I have a job to do. So that means she's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. So she'll die. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not wrong. And I really like that. This character was vulnerable in this writing to say, this is what I was thinking and feeling. And I considered not saving her. Because my mission is so critical, and yet I decided to go and do it anyway.
1: But doesn't that feel like a real thought? It does, you know, that, that if you had those two choices, you as Derek, if you if you were down to those two choices, save Laurel or, or stop this general from being shot, come on. Now, I'm sure that there would be some honorable person out there that would say, no, the, the mission is the mission. And I respect that, too. I get it. But this woman's face is hanging off. Yeah. You know, like, like there's nobody else there to save her,
0: if not for him and she, Deke. She's dead. Yeah, if he easily. Does, if he doesn't do what he does, she dies. And he waited the fate of his mission versus the love of his life. And I was really, I was really, really glad he chose the love of his life. Absolutely. I was worried he might not.
1: Well, with King, you never know. I mean, especially
0: his gunslinger characters.
1: What we're learning is, though, is that I don't know if Jake George in this book is the gunslinger. I don't know that yet. I
0: feel like he's, he's <coughs> like Eddie Dean. Yeah, that's, way. that's who he reminds me of. Who He'll get there, but it, he's not... You know, we got to keep in mind that George Jake inherited this mission. Yeah. It wasn't his idea. If he had a doorway to the past, he might not have chosen to do this. He is doing this for someone else, much in the same way that Eddie Dean didn't choose the quest that he's on. He was drawn into it, you Mm -hmm. could say. Mm -hmm. And now that he's on it, he's doing his best. But like Eddie Dean, he falls in love, Mm -hmm. and the love matters more to him than the quest. The only difference
1: between the two of them where... Jake George is a lot like Roland is that he doesn't feel a lot of emotion. And you know, that sticks in the back of my head with Jake George, by the way, his lack of emotion. That's a red
0: flag. And the book starts with that. Yep. That's the first thing we learn is that he doesn't cry. And it's, and, and again, you know, and, and even,
1: even, even deeper than that, he doesn't get to the place Emotionally, that would even allow him to cry if he wanted to. And so I do, I, I will say that is something as we continue to read, I want to see how that plays in because I think he goes against that feeling with Sadie, that he really truly loves Sadie so much that he can make the emotional choice to save her. You know, that brings him out of that a little bit to, for me.
0: Yeah, same. Same. That that to me is the sign. I'm like, okay, I really like this guy. Yeah, I like the, and I'm always going to be drawn to characters that, when it comes to the hard choice, that they commit Mm -hmm. and they go forward, Mm -hmm. and that they do what their heart tells them is the right thing to do. Logic be damned, equations be damned. In his heart, he's like, I can't let her die. Yeah. And he knows it's the past trying to slow him down. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And now the question is that he saved her. What has he changed? Who knows? In man? this timeline, We, we will read. Well, I'm sure we're going to find out. All right. Do you have any tower references or things that stuck out
1: that you want to bring up? You know, specifically in part four, I think because we had that extra week off. I, I, right now, if I'm being transparent, I really don't. That's fair. Not specifically. I,
0: I have a few. Um, so, one of them is so, before he goes to witness the attempt on Walker, he takes all of his notes that he has and he puts it in a safety deposit box, 775. Oh, Seven right. plus seven plus five is, is 19. 19. Yeah, good one. And good I'm like, call, okay, man, yeah. nice. So, that's 19. Nice. Um, Then there is uh, a line. He's in Jody. I don't know. I might have said this last time or not, but I'm going to say it now. I stayed at the window. A car came rolling slowly down the street. An oldie, but a goodie. As the jocks on K-Life said, and I felt that harmonic chime again. But I was always feeling it now. And sometimes it meant nothing. One of Christie's AA slogans came to mind. Fear standing for false evidence appearing real the chimes oh sure yeah Yeah, it's like so he's thinking and he's he's constantly hearing chimes well that's toad
1: ash to me and you know what's interesting so he actually did just rattle my brain one little it's not necessarily a tower thing but it it does correlate in stephen king's broader universe in that the vehicle the red and white i forget what the the model of the car is because we haven't read it yet the book christine is all about that specific car. And he sees that red over white. I, f- I don't know if it's a Chevy. It's an old muscle car, but the whole book about Christine is that it's, it's basically a demon car. It's like a car with its own, a mind of its own. And I can't it,
0: wait to read that. And you would
1: think, yeah, you would think it's, it's like a, a kind of a silly book, but it's really good. Um, but yeah, so Christine is mentioned a couple times, which is just, you know, connecting the broader universe together.
0: Awesome. Great. Great. Um, Edward, Edwin walking. Where does he live? Edward Walker. Pardon me. Where does he live? Turtle Creek Boulevard. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> are these on the path of the turtle? You know, like, these are so subtle. It's, it's, you're good at picking these up. I'm, I'm on the hunt, man. Yeah. I'm on the hunt yeah. and I'm sure I'm probably missing some too. Well, there's I'm, a lot. So when Jake George is in Fort Worth and people are celebrating, they're setting off firecrackers it really reminded me of Magus and the big bangers. Sure. You know, the way that it was described and he's just like, yeah, these kids are doing mischief and the kids with the big bangers, that that really felt like they were celebrating, you know, 4th of July, different time than Reap. Reap is in the fall, but it felt like a similar kind of vibe there. The other one that I thought about, this one's a little abstract, but it definitely connects to the tower. Actually, let me save that. Uh, Donald Callahan gets mutilated by the Nazi brothers. Yep. And Sadie's face gets mutilated. Yep. So I think there's a, and presumably she'll be scarred. And is she, Father Callahan gets imprisoned by the Nazi brothers and saved by two people who are not people that are generally in combat situations. Right. Which were in the Nazi brothers were stopped by um, Calvin Tower and his buddy Deepno. That's right. And this we have Jake George and Deep. <laughs> so that's another i think subtle nod and then last second to last i should say i forgot cuz i'm rereading wolves now that when pear callahan tells his story to the cotet and he talks about having black 13 and the doorway cave and the door in it one of his thoughts is could i use black 13 and go to 112263 and stop JFK's assassination. Right. Wolves is obviously written before eleven twenty two sixty three. 63. Yep. So King is speaking this idea into through existence. Yeah. Don Callahan, who thinks about it. And Eddie Dean says to him, he's just like, Yeah, but man, you mess with something that big. Something worse could happen. Uh... Sometimes it takes a all it takes is a gunslinger to make a big coffin hunter show up. Yep. And that's what he says. Yep. And I'm like, Yep. Oh boy man, we've already had one really horrible event try to stop Jake George with Clayton returning and mutilating Sadie and then killing himself and we still have a few hundred pages left to
1: well, go. And even before that, we have the one guy who tries to to kill him outside of that family Uh, I'm so terrible with names. The
0: family from part one? Yeah. Yeah, I forget their name already, You know, so like,
1: Ka has been trying to stop him at every single turn. And
0: he just keeps moving forward. He just keeps battling through it. All right, so one last, and this one's sort of obscure, but I like it that I thought about um, in terms of a Dark Tower reference that Mm -hmm. we're picking up. One of the phrases that Jake continually says is the past harmonizes." Harmonizes. He says it multiple times, that there's a harmony to it. And I also think of the saying in Magus where time is the face on the water. Mm. And if you are looking at a calm pool of water, what does it do? It is a reflection, Mm -hmm. which is a form of harmony. Yeah. So time harmonizing is similar to time being a face on the water. Metaphorically, not literally. I don't think that's very
1: obscure, though. Think don't? about what the think about what the fuck we're talking about here. <laughs> like that's not that obscure. All right, that's fair. I think that makes total sense.
0: That's fair. You know? Yeah, I thought that there was a connection between those sayings, which in uh, Wizard in Glass, it comes up a lot. Yeah. Time is a yeah. face on the water. Time and time is slipping. And here we have time harmonizing and this saying that like there is a balancing act that happens in time. And even when it's in drift, even mm-hmm. when it's not working properly, even when you tinker it, there's a harmony to it. And I mean, to go
1: back to the Ash chimes for a second, too. You know, I mean, the fact that every time that J. George hears these moments, it, he feels like he's in this surreal trap where time does slow down a little bit, and he feels sick and uneasy. And so it feels a lot like, like yeah, I think that's a direct reference to Todas chimes for sure. You know, if you're, if, if you're getting into the fold on the path, you know, where, you know, is it, is it, a, is he near a thinny when this happens? You know, in these things, is he creating, oh, are these things that he's changing in time, creating these thinnies that we experience
0: later on down the line? Maybe. Quite possibly. You know? Quite possibly. So I inadvertently might've spoiled the end of the book. Oh, you told me this. I in the that week and sucks. a half we took off from reading yeah. while we were getting ready to, to record. My sister and brother-in-law, they got me the first Gunslinger graphic novel. Oh, they're so good. And I'm like, this is a perfect thing for me to read now. Yeah. It keeps my headspace in the king world. The first graphic novel is phenomenal. It's essentially the, the, the backstory of Roland in Magus and Wizard and Glass. It is beautifully done. And as King is wont to do at the very end, he has a letter to his fans explaining why he enjoys and wanted to do a graphic novel. Oh, no. And in it, he talks about another graphic novel he envisions, which is a man who goes back into the time of 1958 from a portal in a diner, decides (laughs) to stay and stop the JFK assassination, and then... I won't say it now because yeah. I don't want to ruin it for you, but presumably what will happen at the end of this book. Uh, so I may have gotten the end of the book accidentally reading this uh, open letter from Stephen King. That which sucks. You know, at the end of a comic, I got a letter from Stephen King. I will read write it. it. I yeah, will read every word of yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh man! Now I know what's gonna happen. Oh, uh, well, it could be different. It very well because he, the graphic novel and the letter, yeah. came out way before, so he could have changed the idea. So it could have, you know. Although knowing adapted. him,
1: the idea has probably been around. And.
0: If it yeah. is that, it will be epic. <laughs> like it will be. I know. When I told you this at work, uh, yeah, you were like, "Well, was it good?" And I was uh, like, "Yes, Steve. Yes." And I'm like, "Damn, it was damn very it. good." I'm a, <laughs> fuck, that sucks. Yeah. It was very, very, very good. As a matter of fact.
1: Well, you know, it was funny. We were talking right before we started. So I'm reading the book on a uh, on a Kindle now. You know, and I I don't have the physical copy. And so when we were here. I was looking, you know, he, you handed me the book to read the beginning monologue. And I was like, holy shit, dude, we're, we're like, we're close to the end. I didn't, I didn't realize, (laughs) I just watched Derek spill beer on himself. Oh man. We're so professional
0: here. We're so, I just spilled beer on myself. But I, I, I. We're definitely leaving that in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Come on. They know us by now. But I didn't realize, you know, uh, um, Wait, what the hell was I talking about? How far along we were? In oh, the book? yeah, 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 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I didn't realize how like we only have maybe 100 150 pages left to go. We're reading fast. You can't put this book down. It, I mean, you really it's really that well done. It I, really is.
0: Yeah, I have like maybe 20 30 minutes a day to read and I read this book for me at a very fast clip. Yeah. It is the definition of a page turner. It is so good. It really is. It is one of the best books I have ever read easily.
1: I will say I'm glad that we broke it up, though, because this is this book does feel like it the most... Cha- I mean, almost even more than it, the most tower adjacent.
0: Yeah, and at the end, I think we're going to have to evaluate what we think of the book compared to the other King books. Yeah. And its ultimate connection to the tower. This one has, I think, fewer literal direct references, but it feels like it has the soul of the tower. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it does. It feels like the tower is, like, it feels like Jake is on the path of the beam and he his mission is to save the Rose, except yeah. to save JFK.
1: And and especially because we know that there is a door in the tar- the Dark Tower series that leads to this exact day. So we know for a fact that it is, Directly connected, you know, and I think, look, King has to be subtle about his references anyway, because if you're not reading the dark tower and you're not looking for it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but he's such a good writer that he can do both at the same time and make it equally
0: as compelling. I totally agree with that. Because I would,
1: I would have enjoyed this book, whether or not I read the dark tower. Never not. Read,
0: it's not like insomnia. Right, exactly. Insomnia is a you, you book that- You kind of have to know. That to get the end, you need to have read The Dark Tower. Exactly. Otherwise, you don't get that end at all. You yeah. might like everything up to it, but you're like, what? who's the Crimson King? Who's Roland? Yeah. Why do I care about yeah, them? Yeah,
1: that is the book of all of them that we've read so far that you you do sort of need to read or know of the story.
0: Correct. I agree. I don't think that's true with this book. No, I wouldn't have been able
1: to put this down either way.
0: Yeah, it's just that phenomenally well written. Um, Where do you, so I'm not gonna tell you where I think the story is going, because I may have potentially spoiled the ending, but where do you think the story is going? (sighs) That is a great question
1: because we have two narratives happening at the same time. So we have Jake, who's after the Oswalds, and we have George and Sadie. And that's now where it's equally split for me. We have George and Sadie slash Jody. And how does that play out now, especially with what's just happened? You know, is this journey now even important to him anymore? Now that his, you know, the woman he wants to marry that her face is hanging off.
0: I think he will gunsling her up. And I think he will go right back onto it. I, think I mean, he, he
1: will. I, not, not that I'm saying he'll avoid it, but how much import does it have to him anymore? Now? I don't know.
0: He chose Sadie over his mission. That's the thing. And this one part eventually, like, will he sacrifice Sadie if he has to? Yeah.
1: That's a great question. And right now, what I would say is that
0: he would, by the way, I looked up Edwin Walker, total real dude. Oh Yeah. Ex-general hated the communists. Incredibly a hateful person to begin with. 100% open white supremacist. Yeah. Thought that ending segregation would destroy the world. Someone did try to shoot him. Yes. And according to the DOJ, according to the FBI, that someone was in fact Lee Harvey Oswald. Really? He is the only suspect and the only person they thought that tried to kill him. Wow. So that is, as far as we know, now, he never got to stand trial for that because mm-hmm. he got killed right. after he killed JFK. Right. But he did, in fact, as far as the, the FBI is concerned, that case is closed. Wow. Lee Harvey Oswald tried to kill General Walker. Wow. Yeah. That's
1: a sad little prick.
0: Lee Harvey Oswald. Do you want to yeah. talk about Oswald I a do bit? a little bit. Let's yeah, talk about we haven't
1: We haven't focused on him at all. Man. Let me tell you, he and General Walker would fit right the fuck in right now In our, in our contemporary America They would do great They could stand on their soapboxes and scream and yell And make a big deal about all this and hype everybody up over all this bullshit And then the sad little Lee Harvey Oswalds of the world Would eat it up and go try to sack the fucking Capitol
0: If that's exactly what it feels like I love it. It's I, exactly what it feels like. The scene where Lee Harvey Oswald, the kid comes and tries to sell him a newspaper subscription. Oh, and he, t- oh, and he tries to completely brainwash him. And he starts spewing communist BS Ugh. to this kid. And the kid's just like, listen, dude, if you weren't going to buy it, you should have just told me that before you wasted all of my time. And that's like, I, I,
1: seriously, <laughs> I loved it. And so you realize, okay, this has been happening for a very long time. In this country, I think he is a very sad, very unfortunate, very insecure, small little man.
0: He's a dweeb. He is. He is a dweeb who read Karl Marx and said, that's it. I'm going to change the world and realizing, nope, no, you're not. The scene where at that
1: party, I forget what the character's name is, but the one that has a little older guy who's taken an interest in Marina, uh, Lee Harvey's wife. And you know, he speaks Russian, treats her very well. They're at this party, and Stephen King describes Oswald as being dressed in this suit that's too big for him, and he's just profusely sweating while he's trying to argue, you know, his points and facts about communism. And that right there, he's just a sad little, sweaty little pig boy. Like, I can't, seriously, dude. I, I
0: love it. He, he he I love it. He is
1: such. A little pig boy. Like he just, he's, uh, it infuriates me because he thinks he's smart and he's not. He thinks he's tough and he's not. He beats up on his wife like a fucking prick. You know, what kind of man are you? Seriously, what kind of, well, uh, I'm sorry. Like it, it, it's low. I'm surprised
0: he doesn't beat up on his kid. I mean, he doesn't get the opportunity to. Right. Oh, sorry, my phone just dinged. And you know, he just, I, I don't know. He is every
1: single thing that is wrong with uneducated fired up racist xenophobes in this country and it doesn't matter if it's fucking 1963 or if it's 2023 I they will,
0: look the same i will point out that oswald is pro ending segregation true like so he he his left wing ideology On face value, not all of it is bad. No, no. But a good bit of it is bad. But his character. And Yeah, what it it is is that he, he takes what he wants to take to try to make himself feel like the hero in a grand narrative. Yeah. When it's just like you're just a regular dude, and if you stopped and thought about it for a second, you got a beautiful wife, you got a beautiful kid, Go out and like you can still run your local chapter of the left wing commies, but you're not, like you. Eventually, you have to accept where you are in the world, and if your desire is to be the greatest blank ever, not well, most of us don't get to be the greatest no. blank ever. No, but you have to learn to be content with what you are. And Lee Harvey Oswald is so obsessed with his own genius. That he will take out his failures on everyone, including his wife, and then obviously trying to kill the president.
1: Yeah, it, and
0: he, he does. He it, He's just such a sad little man. I remember you and I talked about this, and I'm like, I don't know if this book is working on me because I'm not afraid of Oswald. I don't. I don't feel anything. Oh, yeah. And And I was like, we're not supposed to. You pointed out, like, no, that's the point. You're not supposed to fucking be afraid of him. He's a dweeb. He's a pipsqueak. Oh, that is? Yeah. I I thought I'd feel a chill down my back when Lee Harvey Oswald becomes a character. Like, that guy kills JFK. And I'm like, I don't feel anything other than, like, yeah, his wife is definitely sleeping with people to get money. And
1: and you realize (laughs) that, like, he's he's like any other bumpkin wants to have an AR-15. I mean, seriously, like, and look, no offense. I don't mean, I'm not meaning to offend anyone when I say this, but we, we do live in a world where there are some very heavy right-wing consp- people who believe in conspiracy theories. They just want their guns. They want, you know what I mean? And that's, he, he reminds me of these folks. He's the communist version of that. Exactly. And he, I don't even really think he understands communism.
0: I really don't. I think he just, I think he, well, a good example, like he can't really speak Russian. No. Right. That's one thing. Like when his wife is hanging out with all these Russian immigrants that love her and want to help her, he can't really follow the conversation. No.
1: But he does have the privilege of being in a white man in America.
0: So it's like, go out and fucking do something with yourself. And to me, this is subtle foreshadowing that there are more sinister forces at play. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, and I feel like we will see them. I don't think it's going to be like a conspiracy in the way that the way people conspiracy theorize the JFK assassination, that maybe it was the CIA or the mafia. I think it's going to be agents of the Crimson King from the Dixie Pig. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely, because obviously, Lee Harvey
1: Oswald, the way that he's painted in this book, and he's also painted in history. He would have never been able to do this by himself. He's not strong enough. He's just not.
0: Never underestimate the damage a lonely, angry, sad man can do yeah. with a weapon. Yeah. You know, yeah. Especially so many amazing crimes that are terrible. I should rephrase that. So many terrible, horrible crimes that keep us up at night when you have a kid that, like, I hope this never happens to me and my yeah. family are perpetrated by lonely, angry, depressed, alienated... Typically white. uh, Not as smart as they think they are, (sighs) armed men. And and what it comes down to at the
1: end of the day is just highly, highly insecure men that don't believe in themselves. And you can go one of two ways with that. You can be like me, you know, where you just become a complete empath who has no, has very little belief in himself or you can be Lee Harvey Oswald and go out there and kill the president. Like you, you got you got one or two choices here. You can go to therapy, you know, or you can go fucking kill the president.
0: Right? Like that's he's <laughs> very in little between. in between. Like, there's
1: not a whole lot in between. There's not yeah. especially somebody that's that easily
0: brainwashed. And I definitely think uh you know the the German is egging him on oh, child. Him. Yeah for sure. Like he sees oswalt for what he actually is and he is definitely egging him on i mean life,
1: he I mean. feels like the man in black he's very playful he's laughing he's loud he's boisterous he doesn't really care about lee that's he, a great great tower reference there. yeah he feels and i didn't think about it in, until literally right now but almost every scene he is uh described as laughing as slapping lee harvey on the back being very boisterous um, so he reminds me a, a little bit
0: of that character, absolutely, and he has a little trickstery yeah. energy, but you know he's up to no good, and you
1: know he's evil, you know you see the way he treats i'm I'm presuming it's his wife, you know, there are very small ways that King uh describes his behavior that like oh there's there's something underneath that exterior,
0: yeah, for sure,, yeah. and it's bad, absolutely. Great, man. So I think I've gone through all of my notes at this Me part. Me too. We got the last third of the book. We got the last third. Anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap up here?
1: No, I think we finished that third. We do one more. If anybody has any questions or like where we're at, throw them over. We did have somebody reach out to us this week who was giving us some pretty cool uh, examples of what they were reading. Apparently, one of the books, oh, I forget the name of it right now. I know that she had mentioned um, The Talisman, which... Rebecca really wants us to read. But there's another book that apparently is written, uh, well, is heavily influenced by the town that
0: she's from. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That happened on Twitter, right? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was cool as hell. At Wheel of Ka. It's, yeah, seriously. Good Twitter handle. And we we respond well, uh, very quickly. We say we. It is Steve. <laughs> it's me. It's I, Steve it responds. is me. It's me, guys. <laughs> Steve does the Wheel of Ka. It's Twitter. me. That is definitely not me. But yeah,
1: please. I I love it. I I love interacting
0: with everyone. Same. You can always find me on Twitter too. And we have our own feed now. We are posting. We're still going to post on the Midnight Myth as bonuses. Yeah. For those of you who that's where you find us. But you can now find the Wheel of Ka as its own podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are getting your podcast somewhere, but we're not there, let me know and I'll fix that. Yeah,
1: please. Laurel, let us loose. She She let let us go out into the wild.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She let us loose. Other things, uh, make sure to follow the Midnight Myth, where Laurel and I talk about history, mythology, and philosophy. And Sleep and Sorcery. And Sleep and Sorcery, Laurel's podcast that helps you go to sleep. Fantasy and folklore-inspired stories to lull you to bed. They're also part-guided meditations. As well as, Steve, man, do a Mythic thunderloot oh, yeah. plug. Yeah, so uh, if you like Dungeons and Dragons,
1: if you like rock and roll music, and you like musicals, you'll probably like Mythic Thunderlute. So yeah, it's a uh, podcast D and D musical musical podcast. I always forget what the hell we call it.
0: That's that. It that, that, that made sense.
1: But we we uh, it's four characters and a, and a dungeon master. We roll. We play a real game. We write three songs an episode. It's all uh, produced, edited, and put together. There's sound effects. There's special guests.
0: Uh, and if you like a lot of weed humor, you should come and check it out. No joke, you should do it just to hear Steve's amazing singing voice. Oh, thank you. The Thanks, very God. first episode, the intro song gets going good, you're having fun, <laughs> and then Steve comes in and sings. And if it doesn't melt your heart, oh, you're an buddy. agent of the Crimson uh, King. Oh. Thank you. Because it Please. melted my heart. It's not that good, but thank you. No, it's that good. Oh,
1: I was going to say Sleep and Sorcery, by the way, it does work. Rebecca and I, the other day, uh, Frankie was just not getting down. Like the baby was just not sleeping. So we brought her in the room and we all had like a little family nap and we used one of the Sleep and Sorcery episodes. Oh, and it, it worked. It absolutely It's worked. awesome. Oh, yeah. It's really good.
0: One of the downsides about being married to the person who does Sleep and Sorcery is that it doesn't work for her as well. Yeah. Because she's listening to herself yeah. and thinks, like, oh, I should have done that. I should have done this. Maybe you so, and I should record one for Laurel. It's time to sleep now. I'm <laughs> gonna just not respond. All right. We are going to get back to reading 112263. Yeah. This I think we week. finish the book and do the last and one. We're gonna probably finish the book and do the last one. I'm feeling once we're done with this, a Twitter poll might be. Yeah, for the next book. For the next book that we do. So if there's a book you want us to cover, hit us up on Twitter. Yep. And Long Days and Pleasant Nights.
1: Long Days and Pleasant Nights.